you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hi, and welcome to Airing the Addisons. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve. Will and Mickey are off this week, and my wife Debbie and I are honored to fill in for them. Just to give you a little background, I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. And our radio broadcast is heard every night at 6 o'clock Central Time on American Family Radio. Debbie and I speak around the country with Family Life Ministries, talking about marriage and family issues. And uh, we began yesterday uh, tackling negative emotions. Some years ago, I wrote a book called Runaway Emotions, Why You Feel the Way You Do and What God Wants You to Do About It. And on the cover of this book is a smoke alarm with uh, smoke coming uh, toward it. And the premise of the book is that we all deal with negative emotions. We deal with things like worry. We deal with things like guilt. We deal with loneliness. We deal with embarrassment. We deal with anger. Nobody likes those negative emotions, but God has a message in those emotions. And those negative emotions are are much like a smoke alarm. Uh, they indicate and tell us that there's something wrong inside of us. The problem in in any house when the smoke alarm goes off, the problem is not the smoke alarm. The problem is there's a fire somewhere and you have to be able to trace and say, okay, where's the fire? And the moment that you put the fire out, the smoke alarm stops blaring. And so when you can trace back what is causing this problem in me. I'm made in God's image, but something is off now. And when I trace it back and I can deal with the root cause and not just the symptoms, I can be a healthy individual. Now, when Adam and Eve were created, God told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over every living thing that moves on the earth. They were given dominion and they were to exercise control over God's creation under God. And that is part of being made in the image of God. God has given us a a desire, a God-given desire for control. Now, when we deal with anger, anger says something is off. And when Adam and Eve sinned, their God consciousness turned to self-consciousness And their desire to control under God turned into a desire to control under themselves. And it was all about me. And so that is kind of the root of anger. And when the alarm goes off of anger, it says, okay, something is not taking place in my life the way I want it to to be. And my God-given desire for control is on fire. Well, Debbie, when we talk about anger... We're not talking about righteous indignation. Right. That's a normal thing. That's a a God-given thing that we should be 
angry about injustice. We should be angry about abortion. We should be angry about um, people being uh, unjustly uh, murdered. The things that we see in Afghanistan, that's normal and natural and good and right to be angry about that from a righteous standpoint. That's not the anger that gets us in trouble, though. Right. The anger that gets us in trouble is unrighteous anger. Right. And we deal with a lot of that in our world. We have a lot of angry people. Yes. And I think our current situation um, with COVID particularly has really brought a lot of that anger to the surface. I think when people are fearful a lot of times that's how it comes out is it comes out in anger. It comes out in wanting to control the situation so that they can be taken care of and they can be safe. And um, we've, we've seen that just so much. And, you know, the bottom line is no one enjoys being around an angry person. No. Angry people don't, they're not attractive. <laughs> You're not drawn to them. You don't want to spend time with them because it's very, it's a very uneasy feeling being around a real angry person because you're kind of having to walk on eggshells because you don't know what you could say or not say, what look right. you could give, what body language you could express that might just cause them to go ballistic on you. And so that is no fun at all. And I think we've all been around people like that. We, we all can recognize other people who have anger issues. And, and we can spot that fairly easily most of the time. Um, but sometimes it's kind of harder to take that mirror and, and look at the reflection of yourself in it right. and see, okay, but wait a minute, am, am I an angry person? Is that something that I'm struggling with? Am I um, not just righteously indignant about those things that cross God's boundaries, but am I just an angry person? On an angry meter, am I sitting at a nine all the time, just waiting for the next thing to cause me to explode? And I had uh, read recently, and some of these are listed in your book, but just some characteristics of angry people. And um, it's kind of some good things to kind of just reflect upon and just kind of ask yourself, okay, does is this a descriptor of me? Do I, do I fit this? One of them is that you're constantly judging other people. So you're looking at other people, making assessments all the time of, are they right? Are they wrong? Am I better than them? Are they worse than me? That kind of thing. What about the people who either respond on two different ends of the spectrum? They either go ballistic and just explode and yell and scream and shout and rant, or they're very quiet and they're very passive aggressive. And um, the passive aggressive can sometimes be harder to pick up on, but that's definitely a characteristic of anger. What about people that feel victimized all the time. It's always someone else's fault. It's never not it's never what they've done. It's always someone else that right. it, that is inflicting something on them that is causing this response. Right. So they don't ever you, want to take responsibility. Right. If you wouldn't your, have done A, fault. I wouldn't have responded this way, right. you know. So it's always someone else's fault. Or what about someone who's constantly sarcastic? Or they can't think rationally under stressful types of situations. They just fly off the handle. Or small things, little things just bother them way more than they should. Mm -hmm. So they're, like I said earlier, they may be sitting at a nine on that anger meter and the little bitty event causes them to just go off the chain. Right. Um, they love to criticize. Angry people love to criticize. They have a real hard time submitting to authority in any form. Uh, so that's a, that's a real good 
question to evaluate yourself on. How how right. do I respond to authority? Do I respect authority? Do I am I always resentful of authority? Am I always trying to buck authority? Right. And then um, they have a real difficult time forgiving. They like holding on mm-hmm. to that anger and that feeling of I have the right to feel this way. Right. I have a right to what I'm feeling. I deserve to feel this way. Right. Well, you talked about the anger meter and uh, just so our listeners know what that is. So if, if you think about like a like a big thermometer, you know, churches sometimes would have this this big thermometer when they're trying to reach a goal and, you know, you start at zero and it goes up and, and the top of it, you know, is like whatever the goal number is. Well, think of anger that way. So zero means I'm at peace with the world. Everything is cool. I'm chill. Um, nothing is getting me upset. And then you drive to work and somebody cuts you off in traffic and then they cuss you out or something like that. And so you go up a couple of points on the anger meter and then something else happens. You go up a few more points. Well, if you get to 10, 10 is when I lose it. 10 is I go ballistic. And so as Debbie was saying, uh, with things in life, especially in interpersonal relationships, somebody hurts you, that meter goes up to 10. And maybe if you don't process the hurts right, that meter never goes back down to zero. Mm -hmm. It's going to hover around four. And then maybe something else happens in this relationship. It can be a marriage so easily. Something else happens and your spouse does something. And then the meter starts to hover around six. And then it starts to hover around eight. And it never goes back down to zero. So your spouse does something that should only tick it up two points on the meter. If it's at zero, it's a little... Manageable. Yeah, very manageable. But if you're hanging around eight then something that should be little, it's, we have the, that expression, it's the straw that broke the camel's back because you have a lot of straw on the camel's back right. and you just go off. And so that, that question we need to ask ourselves, um, you know, it, where's, my, where's my meter? Is right. it, is it a real high? And in our world today, people are running at about a nine. Uh, as you said, COVID has people afraid and, uh, a fear often expresses itself as anger. And so we're ready to go off on people because it doesn't take much. That that cup is really full and you add a couple more drops and it's going to spill over. Well, I, got- I, I think too, Jeff, that when people are, are hovering at that seven, eight, nine, ten mark just all the time, I think it's pretty safe to say you've you've crossed over to being a chronically angry person. Right. You're not just angry periodically you're you're chronically angry right. it, it it has crossed over to where it's an issue that other people are recognizing whether you're aware of it or not and you need to deal with it that is truly when that alarm that fire alarm is really really blaring is when you turn into a chronically angry person right and remember this when you're angry you would just add one letter to the word anger add a D and you get danger. Uh, In marriage and in family, if you have an angry husband, let's say, that can be the formula for disaster for verbal abuse or God forbid physical abuse because your husband is angry. Could be the wife. She could be angry too, but uh, it's just going to create all kinds of problems. Well, when the smoke alarm goes off and the anger starts to flare, you got to trace it back 
to the source. Now, in the Bible, there's an interesting story. The story of Jonah, true events, obviously, not a made-up story, but uh, Jonah was the prophet that God used to send to Nineveh. Remember, he didn't want to go at first. He went the opposite direction, and then he takes a detour uh, through the Mediterranean Sea, through the belly of the great fish, and then Jonah, in Jonah chapter 2, he gets right with God, and God uh, mercifully forgives him of his sin, has that great fish. We call it a whale. We don't know what it was. It just says a great fish, and then that fish spit him up on dry land, and then the word of the Lord comes to Jonah the second time and says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the proclamation I'm going to tell you. So this time Jonah obeys. Now Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians are the bad boys of the ancient Near East. They're the enemies of Israel, and the Israelites don't like the Assyrians. They were wicked, ruthless, mean, terrible people. So you could say, well, there's reason why they didn't like them. But here's the thing. God loved the Assyrians and God wanted to save the Assyrians. And when the Lord sends Jonah to preach, he preaches yet 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And the people, big shock, they respond to the preaching of Jonah. He probably said more than just yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown, but they respond to the preaching of Jonah. They repent in sackcloth and ashes. They cry out to God for mercy and God is merciful to them. And the scripture says, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity, which he had declared he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. And Jonah got mad at God. It says, but it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. If you got to be pretty angry to say that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, God, if you won't kill the Assyrians, then kill me because I don't want to live anymore in this kind of world. So we're going to unpack Jonah's anger toward the Lord, and we're going to talk about how that speaks to us in our anger. God has the answer for your anger, and you and I don't need to live with the smoke alarm of anger blaring and causing all kinds of problems. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the broadcast. 
I'm Debbie Shreve here with my husband, Jeff Shreve, um, founder of From His Heart Ministries, and we are filling in for Will and Miki this week. Uh, it's quite a privilege and honor to be able to do that. We welcome you. We're glad that you're here with us. We're going to be taking calls at the next segment, so I wanted to go ahead and give you that number in advance so you could be calling in and getting your questions ready. But the number that you can call is one 589 8840. Again, that number is 1 888 589 8840. And we have been talking today about the issue of anger and um, what we can do to to solve this problem within ourselves, how we can recognize it in ourselves, and, and what the alarm clock of Anger tells us about ourselves. And um, there's a great quote in Jeff's book called Runaway Emotions where he talks about this. And uh, this is what he says. He says, God created us with a desire to exercise control, but that good and legitimate desire has become warped and distorted by sin. As a result, we want to control things, events, situations, people in accordance with our selfish desires and our selfish ends. We want things to go the way we want them to go, and when they don't, when our desires are frustrated, we can become seized with anger. And as we left uh, our last segment, we were talking about Jonah and the anger that he felt when God was indeed merciful to the Ninevites, that he wanted to be wiped out. He wanted them completely exterminated. And um, God was very gracious because they repented and they turned to him and God forgave. Um, but Jonah was not too happy with that. No, Jonah Jonah was like uh, so many good Israelites. They hated their enemies. And uh, the Assyrians, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. The Assyrians were the enemies of Israel. And so they're brutal people. They're terrible people. They deserve to be fried. God should rain down fire and brimstone upon them like he did Sodom and Gomorrah and Adma and Zeboim, those cities of the plain. And he should do that to Nineveh. And when Jonah preached that God was going to destroy them, uh, he wanted that to come true. Now, I like this version of Jonah chapter four. Uh, It says this, Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. Now, can you imagine talking to God like that? Well, the Lord responds And he says to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry? And Jonah is so angry, he doesn't even respond to God. He just blows God off and blows that question off, uh, which is a a whole nother issue. When God asks you a question, you need to answer that question. But Jonah is just, he is hopping mad. Why? Why? Because God didn't do what Jonah wanted him to do. And see, at the root of anger, anger says this, I deserve better than these circumstances. This is not going the way I want it to go. And that's why we get angry, because 
People are not doing what I want them to do. Situations are not going the way I want them to go. And, uh, and I am mad about it because we think in our twisted minds that life should go the way I say it should go. You know, what's interesting is we recognize that in our toddlers, right? When our toddlers are throwing a fit because they're not getting their way, we recognize that and we see, oh, that's just so silly. You know, why are you acting like that? That's so silly. But as adults, we can act the same way. Right. We can do the exact same thing. Right. So wh- how do we deal with that? Well, two essentials. First essential is you recognize that God is in control. You're in control of nothing to in a grand scale. I'm in control of nothing. God is in control of everything. And so, you know, take this COVID situation. People are so worried and afraid and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to get this vaccine or I'm going to take this medicine or I'm going to hole up in my house and not go outside and not talk to people and, you know, wear a a space suit anytime Mm -hmm. I'm out in public. Uh, Here's the thing. You're not in control. You, you think you are, but you're really not. And you can try as you might to eat all the right things and take every precaution and you can get pancreatic cancer and die in a month. Um, you're, you, God is in control of everything. And so when we recognize that I am not in control, God is in control. And the book of Jonah is just a book that shows God's in control of everything. Right. He was in control of the storm in chapter one. He was in control of the great fish. And then in chapter four, He's in control of this plant that comes up over Jonah to give him shade, and he's in control of a little worm that comes and eats the plant. God is in control of all things. He consults with no one. He calls all the shots. Yeah, I love that, um, how you have it even kind of in the middle of one of the pages of your book where it talks about God calling all the shots. And it's that he hurled the great wind, the Lord appointed the fish, the Lord commanded the fish, the Lord appointed the plant, the, he appointed the worm. God sent a scorching wind. He was in absolute control of everything. And I think so often we have this illusion that we have control and it is an illusion. Um, and, and we can see sometimes that we have a, a, a skosh of control over a situation. And we just, from that, leap to the conclusion that we can control anything that we have the desire to control. And that truly is such an illusion. And the trouble is that when we're, when we're looking outward and we're not seeing things transpiring the way that we feel they should be tr- transpiring, meaning that we deserve better than what is happening to us, um, We just look and we think, well, God doesn't know what he's doing. None of this is making any sense to me. And you know Jonah felt that. And and I think to some extent, and I think you mentioned this in your book as well, Jeff, is that Jonah's pride was probably injured a little, a little right, bit. You know, he sure. had he had told all these people, "Hey, this city's going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed for yet forty days." And then all of a sudden, none of that took place because of the people repented. So not only was he angry over that, but his pride had been injured. Right, and then he's got to go home to Israel. And there's they say, "Where have you been, Jonah?" Well, I was preaching a revival in Nineveh. Nineveh, we hate that place. We hate those people. How did the revival go? Well, they all repented and God spared them. He was going to destroy them, but at my preaching, he spared them. I mean, he's got all this egg on his face in his 
estimation. And he's missing the big picture that God loves people and God wants to save people. The Lord does not want to judge. He wants to save. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is that I, I, I just think back of how often in our situations, in our anger, in our frustrations, one of the main questions that we always ask is why? Why is this happening to me? Why have you allowed this to happen? Why, why, why? And God rarely ever explains himself. He rarely ever says, okay, well, let me tell you why X, Y, Z, and just lays out his master plan. What he does tell us is you don't have to know why. You just need to trust me. Right. You need to trust me. And um, that that can be hard to do when we're looking around and things aren't making sense. Right. I've said before in church, you know, why is a normal question. It's a human question. Um Job asked five times in Job chapter three, why, 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 God, why is this happening to me? Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is a normal question, but God doesn't often answer why. God is not in the business of explaining. He's in the business of sustaining. And God's answer to our whys typically are this, my child, will you just trust me? Just trust me. You don't need to know why. It's on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know. So what we see from Jonah about the issue of anger, you're not in control. I'm not in control. God is in control. The only thing we are in control of is will we trust God? Will we choose to trust God? So we, we recognize that he's in control, and he knows what he's doing. And secondly, second essential, we choose God's grace over our control. God has grace for us in our time of need and in our time of frustration. And if life is not going the way we want it to go and our spouse is not doing what we want our spouse to do, our kids aren't doing the way they, that we want them to do, our boss is not doing the way that we want our boss to do, we choose God's grace over our control. And God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So the first thing that Jonah needed to do was humble himself before the mighty hand of God and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust that you understand. And so I choose to go with you. Right. And uh, that can be hard to do. And for some of us, we struggle with pride a lot more than others. And uh, that humbling yourself can be can be difficult. And that's that's where it takes that good long look in the mirror to say, okay, hey, honestly, where am I? And do I need to humble myself? Am I in that position? So after you've humbled yourself, um, what what next would you suggest that people do? What's the next step after that? Well, I think you, you have to get honest and you say, okay, where's the pride here? Just like if we pick up the Jonah story. So the Bible says Jonah didn't answer God. And then he went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. He was still hoping that God would send fire and destroy the place. So the Lord appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. Now, remember this, he has spent time in the belly of a great fish, in the acids of a fish's belly, his skin is probably very sensitive. And so it's very sensitive to the sun. So 
uh, he, he's in discomfort and God causes this plant to grow up just in a day. And uh, Jonah was extremely happy about the plant because he had this wonderful shade. That's what he deserved. He deserved shade. I deserve it. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. And God said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. And should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left, as well as many animals. 120,000 persons, probably kids that he's talking about, plus adults. Mm -hmm. So 600,000 people roughly, uh, give or take. There are lots of people. God cares about people. And so the Lord is saying, Jonah, you're missing the big picture. I don't do things your way. You need to do things my way. I'm in charge here. And Jonah had a problem. The reason he hated the Ninevites was because the Ninevites had hurt him and they had hurt Israel. They were cruel and wicked and mean. And when we get angry, Typically, it's because somebody does something to us that hurts us in some way, in some fashion. And we have to be honest enough about it to say, hey, you know, you and I have a, an argument and I get angry at you, Debbie. You say something to me and maybe you didn't mean it, but it hurts and it, I feel disrespect and it hurts me. It's much easier to respond in anger than it is to say, hey, Debbie, that really hurt my feelings. Well, and it goes back to that being vulnerable, and that takes vulnerability to do that. And I think, too, Jonah struggled with the fact that uh, he he didn't want to forgive the Ninevites. Right. I mean, he recognized that God had forgiven them, but he himself did not want to forgive them. He wanted to hold on to that anger. And, um, you know, I read we are in the middle in at our church of, of doing the Lisa Turkhurst study, uh, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, and I was telling the ladies just this last week that I had read a great definition of forgiveness from a psychologist that said this, forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. Right. And so it is a choice that we have to make. And um, talk a little bit about that, Jeff, because for some people, that's a hard choice to make. And they they may have made it and yet they still have these feelings bubble up within them. And so talk about that, um, the concept of it being a one time act, but also a process. Yeah. When people hurt us, we have to choose to forgive them by faith. And you say, God, you've forgiven me so great a debt that surely I can forgive somebody. It's the story of Matthew 18, the, the servant who owed his master 10,000 talents, and then he finds someone who owes him 100 denarii. Hey, if the master forgives you a debt so great, 10,000 talents was uh, 10 times a king's ransom. It was just a huge sum of money. And then somebody that owes you 100 days wages, not nothing, but nothing in comparison to 10,000 talents. So I have to always pit what, when someone does something to me, even if it's horrific, it's nothing 
in comparison to what I've done to God. And because God has forgiven me, I can forgive other people. And, uh, and I can make that choice. I choose by faith to forgive this person. And that means to let that person go, not to hold them captive anymore, to release them. I read a great quote by Mark Twain that said this, that anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it's poured. And that's so true. That anger, if we just hold on to it and hold on to it, it does us so much more harm than it does the person that we're actually angry towards. Well, when you're bitter at somebody, uh, I've had people bitter at me. I didn't even know who they were. Um, right. <laughs> so they're they're seething about everything going on that I did to them or didn't say to them or should have done. And, and uh, it's just tearing them up inside. I don't even know what's going on. We'll be taking your calls in this next segment. So don't go away. 1-888-589-8840. When I look in the mirror and don't like what I see, oh, I just thank you for always loving me. And I know I get bad, but you wait patiently, oh, I just thank you for always loving me. Welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here with my wife, Debbie, and we're taking your calls this segment, 888-589-8840. We're talking about the subject of anger. I wrote a book some years ago called Runaway Emotions, Why You Feel the Way You Do and What God Wants You to Do About about It. And uh, it's a book about negative emotions and the positive message that we can learn from negative emotions to help us be the people God wants us to be and live in harmony with the Lord and to uh, experience the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Uh, Jeff, tell them how they can get that book if they're interested in it. Yeah, if you're interested in the book, you can just go to fromhisheart.org slash runawayemotions, fromhisheart.org slash runawayemotions. We'd love to uh, to get you a copy of that. Well, we do have uh, Velma from Mississippi on the line. Velma, welcome to the broadcast today. Thank you. I am so much enjoying this. I listen to the radio all, all the time, and I love Mickey and her husband, and they're just, oh, my God, they're just fabulous, informative in every area of life. I am a 76-year-old widow raising three precious great-grandsons. Uh, their dad is my, son, uh, my grandson. With this in mind, the 14-year-old, and I guess because of the age, I think it started around 13, that he just thinks, I've described it as he thinks he's God, that he's going to run everything. I'm old, dumb, I don't know anything because I don't do computers or none of this modern stuff. So uh, we're always at each other, okay? Always. If I say something yellow, it's not going to be yellow, even though it's yellow, and it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. And uh, I love the way you spoke about this runaway emotions that uh, I think I have harmed myself in the physical, uh, meaning um, uh, heart-type thing, just because of this child. And uh, I love the way you put it. Of course, God loves all of us. But um, I'm learning a lot about this 
and tell me, what should I do with this modern thing of these telephones that they think they're going to live on and they think everybody's smarter than anybody else of whatever they put on these telephones, which I don't even know the names of all these things that they look at and watch. Oh, oh you're talking about with social media? That stuff, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that can be, uh, those are difficult challenges for sure, Vilma. Um, I I commend you for um, taking on the, the role of, uh, great grandmother to these kids and in in um, being there to raise them that's uh, that's not easy to do at 76 years old and so I would just encourage you to um, this way I, I think those kids need to have uh, strong parameters on what's acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior uh, they are under your roof they're under your supervision and uh, so you so your rules need to to govern even though you're not hip and savvy on the the technical things that they do uh, they you can still set up rules for okay here is internet time and here is not internet time. We have a no phone zone. You're not taking phones back to your bedroom. Uh, they're going to bucket that at first. But I think if you hold the line, that will help your family uh, to run more smoothly. And then uh, hopefully the, the confrontations will cease uh, or at least lessen. Um, but you need God's grace. You know, the Bible says God's opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And you just humbly need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. These kids are difficult to parent. It's very difficult for me at this age to parent. So would you give me your grace? Would you give me wisdom? Would you help me here? Because I desperately need your help. I think too. go back to that verse about uh, don't grow weary in doing good and to just ask the Lord to encourage your heart and to give you energy. Raising kids takes a lot of stamina. It takes a lot of persistence. It takes a ton of energy, especially when it comes to being consistent in rules and regulations and boundaries that we put in place. And so, um, man, it's it, it's easy for a 25-year-old parent to, to get weary in doing good. And so just to ask the Lord to just uh, refresh you each night as you sleep, to renew you, to give you a newfound love and consistency each morning as you awaken and face the day with these boys. And um, that just trust that he's going to honor that in your life and honor that in their lives as well. Amen. Well, thanks so much for calling and we'll uh, lift you up to the Lord for sure. Well, the number to call in is 1-888-589-8840. We're talking about the subject of anger, not righteous indignation, but unrighteous anger. When we get ticked off because people and situations and things are not going the way we want them to go. Jeff, what would you say to the listeners today that are um, on here that are thinking, you know, it's not necessarily a person that I'm angry at. I'm, if I'm going to be really, really honest, I'm angry with God. Yes. Uh, and I, I think at the, at the core of, of all anger, that's what it boils down to. But I mean, what, what would you say to someone who's really struggling with that? They're, they're a believer. They don't, they don't want the conflict of feeling that way within their, their conscience and within their soul. But yet, if they're honest, that is a, a struggle that they're having. I think that's true for lots of people, and all anger does go all the way back to God. And, uh, you know, the Israelites would grumble at Moses, but God says, they're not grumbling at you, Moses, they're grumbling at me. 
And so when we get angry with God because of circumstances and things that happen to us, and we say, God, why did you let that happen to me? It still boils down to, will I trust God? And uh, I taught our kids this is so critical. Second Chronicles 7, 3, truly he is good. Truly his loving kindness is everlasting. When we know that we know that we know that God is good and that God loves me, we can handle any situation and it might be hard for us, but we can handle it knowing, okay, this doesn't change the fact that God is good and God loves me. And the third one, he works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So for the person out there who is angry at God because they were sexually abused, angry at God because they were physically abused by a father, by a husband, angry at God because their husband walked out on them, angry at God because uh, the job fell apart and uh, here they are without a job, whatever it is, whatever reason, bring that before the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm angry, but I don't want to be. And uh, I have no right to be. You're in charge and you promised to take care of me. And so, Lord, I just cast this at your feet and I just choose to trust you even through the tears. As King Jehoshaphat said in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Yeah. Well, we have uh, some callers here. And so Heidi is from Ohio. Uh, Heidi, go ahead. You're on the broadcast. Good afternoon. I just happened to flip on my radio, and um, I've only probably caught like less than 10 minutes (laughs) of your program, but um, I immediately started writing down the title of your book because um, it immediately spoke to uh, the issue that I've been telling God this afternoon, I need wisdom on how to help my um, my 14-year-old daughter in managing her runaway emotions. And I wanted to say, is this, I, I wrote down where you said to purchase the book from hisheart.org. Is that right? Yes. From hisheart.org um, slash runaway emotions. Okay. Thank you. I am curious to know if you think it would be appropriate for me to go through with my, um, with my daughter as I, um, you know, as maybe as part of our homeschooling curriculum. Oh, um, and yes. it, would it be appropriate for my, I have a, um, a young adult son who struggles with a lot of anger has in the past, and um, knowing how to help him learn to express it um, in healthy ways. Yes. So I will, um, I will just, uh, I can hang up and just listen to your answer. And uh, thank you very much. No, thank you, Heidi. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, So this, this book was uh, born out of a series of messages that I preached at our church. And so uh, to, you know, to all ages, I think it helps people young, old, in between, uh, to understand why do I feel the way that I do and and what is God's answer to my anger, to my worry, to my guilt, to my shame, all those different things. So I think that would help you and help your children a lot. So thanks so much for calling. We have Alex in Texas. Alex, you're on the broadcast. Welcome. Hi. Um, I was calling for a question. So um, I just recently got out of a church where they're teaching like biblical things, and some of my family members still attend the church. Uh, how do you? What would you do in that situation? That also without like they're teaching what? Um, they're like, they're teaching what things? things? 
unbiblical. Oh, unbiblical. unbiblical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have family members going to church, but I don't want to make it a scandal, you know. Right. Right. Well, are are those if they're um, if they're things that are major issues where they're perverting the gospel or distorting the the gospel, you know, Galatians chapter one is Paul's very clear on that. Hey, that is a critical thing. You get out from under that. If a person is perverting the gospel, that person, he says, let him be anathema, let him go to hell. Um, if they're talking about things that uh, may be gifts of the spirit and they have some difference of opinion there, or if they have differences of opinion on the return of the Lord. Those are more rib issues. Those aren't necessarily spine issues. So if it is a spine issue, I would uh, lovingly appeal to your family members and say, this isn't good um, because this is contrary to what the Bible teaches. And uh, this is not going to be good for us. You know, church is a time where you feed your soul. And uh, so if you go to a restaurant that feeds bad meat, uh, you're going to get sick. And so you wouldn't keep going back there. And you don't need to go to a church that's giving you bad doctrine because that will uh, that will pollute your soul. And And oftentimes, too, with family, it's the hardest to talk to. They are the hardest to talk to. And so uh, just continue to just pray that any deception that they may have on them, that that would fall off and that the Holy Spirit would reveal that to them and in such a way that it would be undeniable and that they would have to have to come face to face with it and um, let the Lord lead them to another place, but to continue to pray. Amen. Thanks so much for your call. We have Mary Beth in Arkansas. Mary Beth, you're on the broadcast. Yes, I was listening to your broadcast um, while I'm driving from one place to another, and I just heard you say that forgiveness and and all this stuff hurts us more than it hurts the person. Sometimes you don't even they don't even know. Um, yes. Well, I lost my 20 year old daughter in an accident. She was on the back of her boyfriend's motorcycle when a 16 year old turned in front of him, and she she died. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so and sorry. A week later. After her death, we found out she was seven weeks pregnant. So not only did I lose her, but our first grandchild. Mm. But what got me was the boy or his parents, none of them said we're sorry. They didn't send anything over the internet, you know, over a private message to us or through the mail or anything. Um, And we still haven't. It's been six and a half years. Mm. Uh, still haven't heard anything as far as I'm sorry or anything from the boy. It was an accident. I mean, he wasn't drinking or on his phone or anything. He just tried to beat a car, and he didn't see the motorcycle in front of him when mm. he turned. But I'm ha- I have a lot of anger <laughs> yeah. towards yeah. him and his family, um, which I've been trying to let go of Yes, because it's hurting me more than it hurts them because they don't even know. Right. Fixing to get married, you know, and my daughter won't ever get that. Right. I think that's where the crisis and the process comes in that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I think Mary Beth, it's a you have to make a choice by faith to forgive that person that uh, doesn't deserve forgiveness. But you don't deserve forgiveness either from God. So, so we look at it from that standpoint and we say, God, this person hurt me. The, the most anyone could hurt me. And that's how they hurt me by, by taking my daughter 
And, but I have to, I have to turn that person over to you. I have to release them because I'm not hurting them. I'm hurting me. And, uh, you know, somebody well said, forgiveness is setting the captive free and realizing the captive was you. And so just choose God's grace and say, God, I need you to heal my heart. It hurts and it still hurts. And I have to just trust that uh, you have a plan in all of this. As we said, uh, truly he is good. Truly his loving kindness is everlasting. God, you're good. God, you love me. And God, you work all things together for good. So I choose to trust you even though I don't understand. And I don't want to live angry and unforgiving because that's going to destroy me. And I can't live that way. So, uh, Mary Beth, we'll be praying for you. I appreciate you so much, you sharing, and I just hurt for you. But I know that God is a God of mercy and grace and comfort. And uh, we pray that he would just pour that out on your heart. Well, we've enjoyed being with you today. Debbie and I will be back again tomorrow as we talk about the subject of guilt. God bless you. Have a great day. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.